found an article a while back. I don't remember where I found it, but uh, it uh, was comments made by individuals in the year 1957. You may have seen it or something similar to this. I uh, just kind of want to read them, and it gives us an idea of how much things have changed uh, in that amount of time since then. Uh, one person said, I tell you one thing, if things keep going the way they are, it's going to be impossible to buy a week's groceries for $20. Well, things keep, kept going that way, didn't they? <laughs> Another person said, have you seen the new cars coming out this year? It won't be long before $5,000 will only buy a used car. Good luck finding one for that now, right? Uh, did you hear the post office is thinking about cha- charging a dime just to mail a letter? A little more than that. When I first started driving, this person said, who would have thought gas would someday be 29 cents a gallon? Guess we better be better off leaving the car in the garage. Was it 2.15 right now, I think? I read the other day where some scientists, this person said, this kind of hits home to this area. I read the other day where some scientists think it's possible to put a man on the moon by the end of the century. They even have some fellows they call astronauts preparing down in Texas. Another person said, I never thought I'd see the day all our kitchen appliances would be electric. They're even making electric typewriters now. Things have changed. And this is a good one. The drive-in restaurant is, a convu- is convenient and nice weather, but I seriously doubt it'll ever catch on. You know, some people just didn't get it right, did they? You know, it's hard to, to imagine what the future holds. I mean, even no matter how hard we try, it's hard to picture What's coming? We don't know what the future holds exactly, do we? I mean, if, if we've learned anything from this past year, we, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Um, we can't predict the future. There are a lot of things that we can't know, but there are some things that we can know, and there are some ways that we can prepare ourselves regardless of what comes in the future. We can be prepared, and as a church, we can remain focused and on mission regardless of what comes, um, because our purpose is the same regardless of circumstances. Now, how we implement that purpose will change depending on our circumstances. The methods we use will change depending on our circumstances, but overall, our purpose is the same, and we know that in it all and through it all, we should be striving to have an impact for the kingdom of God, to reach the lost, to disciple them, to help to know Christ to grow in Christ, and to help others know Christ and grow in Christ. There are many ways that we reach people, but we know that we are to reach the lost. We are to serve the world. We are to get out in the world. We are to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should be making an impact, and we have to work together as a church to accomplish that. Uh, we need to be able, we, we can't know the future, but we need to have a vision for the future. Now, we're going to review this morning our vision for what I believe God has given us for this church. For some of you, you're gonna, you will have heard some of this before, all of it. Uh, for some of you, you have never heard this, uh, and this will be the first time. It's nothing radical. It's not reinventing the wheel. It's biblical, but it's what we believe God's called us to be about as, as a church, as Wall Highway Baptist Church in the middle of this city, in the middle of this county, in the middle of this state, making an impact 
for the world, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to walk through that. Even if you've heard this before, it is so very important that we revisit this from time to time so that we remain focused and we are centered on what we are called to do. With all of the distractions in our world, in our lives, in our church even, we need to come back to this every now and then and recenter and focus on what it is that God has called us to do. We need to be able to have a vision to see not only what's here and now, but to have a vision for the future. Not all the details, but to know where God is leading so we'll know what to do in the present. Uh, this year has shown us that that's difficult to do. It's difficult to know what's coming, but we can know some things, and I believe God has given us some rock-solid principles that we are to be about as a church that will help us if we will do these things it'll help us make an impact that he wants us to make for his kingdom and for his glory we're in a series called relaunch 2021 and the purpose of this series is as you just saw in the video to get out of the blur we've been in kind of a blur over the past several months a lot of things going on we want to get out of that we want to refocus that's what we're doing right now we're refocusing and preparing to relaunch the ministry and the mission of Wall Highway Baptist Church. And this week and next, we're going to look at what it will take to make an impact in our world for Jesus Christ and beyond. First, if we're going to do that, we need to know our foundational purpose. If we're going to be, have an impact in our world for Jesus Christ, we have to know our purpose. What are we here for? Why are we here? Um, in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, we read, where there is no vision, people are unrestrained, but happy it's he who keeps the law. That word unrestrained, it means to be out of control. The idea is, uh, as, as the Holman says, is people are running wild, unrestrained. Uh, and that, when people are out of control, destruction happens. We've seen examples of that recently, right? Mob rule. When things are out of control, when there's no direction, when there's no purpose, when there's no vision, destruction is the result. If, if we are to have a purpose and accomplish that purpose, we need to know what it is. We need to have direction. In the King James, that same verse, where there is no vision, people will perish. That's the result. And make your dreams come true. Charles Swindoll said this. He said, vision is essential for survival. It's spawned by faith, sustained by hope, sparked by imagination, and strengthened by enthusiasm. It is greater than sight, deeper than a dream, and broader than an idea. Vision encompasses vast thoughts outside the realm of, predictable, uh, of the predictable, the safe, and the expected. No wonder we perish without it. So vision, where do we get vision? Well, we get vision from God's Word. Without vision, people perish. But if you look at the last part of that verse, happy is he who keeps the law. Uh, joy, contentment, why do you receive joy and contentment from keeping the law because God speaks to us through his word. He gives us direction. Like we talked about last week, we need a time alone with God every day. Why? One of the reasons is because he gives us direction. Well, as a church, he gives us a vision. He gives us direction in and through his word that we're to follow. As I said, beginning this message, I'm not reinventing the wheel today. This is just, we're talking about the biblical purpose as defined in his word God's Word, and, and some of it's universal for all churches, and some of it's unique to us because of where we are, but the purpose is the same. That's why circumstances don't change that. God designed His bride, His church, to accomplish 
a purpose. And we can know what that is. So we want to know Christ. We want to grow in Christ. We want to help others know Christ and grow in Christ so that they can discover God's purpose for their lives and experience joy. If you look at Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, you want to know the secret to happiness? And this isn't, you know, emotion happiness. This is joy, all right? This is what this is talking about. Joy that is not dependent upon circumstances. The psalmist says, How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. Where do we get instruction? From God's Word. His delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. Not just a passive reading every morning. I do that, but then I meditate on God's Word. I internalize it. It becomes a part of me. It shapes me from the inside out. You want joy? You have to allow God to shape you from the inside out through his word, and you have to spend time in his word. He meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaves, leaf does not wither. Whether, whatever he does, he prospers. He's got a solid foundation. He's getting all the nutrients that he needs from God's word. He's growing. He's bearing fruit. He's becoming like Christ. And whatever he does, he prospers. Does that name it, claim it? No, that means that whatever he does, he prospers is because he's doing what God wants him to do. We know what God wants because he instructs us through his word. And as he instructs us, we obey. And when we obey, we find joy. Does that mean life is always fun and pleasant and happy and pain-free? Absolutely not. Joy is not dependent upon the pleasantness of my circumstances. Joy comes from knowing Christ, growing in Christ, fulfilling his purpose in my life, and seeing others do the same, investing in others. And as a church, we know that's what we're supposed to be about. We have a purpose, and at the heart of that purpose is to reach people with the love of Jesus and to help them discover the same joy that we have found. We should want that for others. We should want others to experience the joy that we just read about in Psalms, to learn how to study God's Word and to obey God's Word. We need to disciple others, and we need to all be on the same page. We need to know what our foundational purpose is if we're going to accomplish that. And so first, before we talk about the vision, let me define that for you, just so we all understand. What is a vision? Well, a vision is the perception and expression of a favorable outcome to a mission. It's where we want to be. It's a picture of where we feel like God is leading us to be, the type of church we want to be defined as. And then we back up and look at how we get there. What steps do we need to take to get there? So what is the end goal, the end result? Well, if we fulfill God's purpose, if we fulfill our mission, we will be a church that is actively connecting our world to Christ and his people through intentional evangelism, dynamic worship, loving fellowship, personal discipleship, and caring ministry. That is how we'll be defined as a church if we fulfill the mission he's given us, if we do what God has called us to do, because those are the biblical purposes of a church. A church that is God-centered, Bible-centered, will have those characteristics. And that's what we want to be as a church. That's how we want to be defined, as a church that is actively connecting people to Christ and other believers through intentional evangelism, dynamic worship, loving fellowship, personal discipleship, and caring ministry. So that's our vision. That's what, when we look down the road, we see ourselves as a church that if anybody spent any time with us, they would define us. They may not use those exact words, but those are the characteristics that they will see 
at Wall Highway Baptist Church. That's how we want to be defined because I believe that's how God defines his church. Now, this is a variation of a previous illustration that I've used. I think last year we used those little connecting toys. Um, Eli is like the Lego expert in our house, and uh, he builds different things, and they all have a design. They all have a purpose. And yesterday I said, buddy, go in, the, go in your room and build me something. So he goes in there for about five minutes, and he comes out with a helicopter. He, he got Legos for Christmas, and he built me a helicopter. Uh, it's pretty cool, right? One side is a boy. The other side is a girl, so, you know. Uh, regardless, you can, uh, you can have uh, your helicopter and you can pretend to be one of those two and you're ready to go, right? Now, if I t- I'm not going to take it apart too much because I'm not sure I can put it back together. I'm not good with Legos. Um, but if you take it apart, you know, just, just the pieces laying on the ground, you might, if you saw the propeller, you would think helicopter, airplane, something like that. But it's not till it's all put together. Everything's connected, right? You see what it is. And he's come up with some pretty neat designs with his Legos um, since Christmas. He got several for Christmas. But they all have to be connected, right? If they're just laying in pieces on the floor, the most you'll get is a sore foot from stepping on them, right? I mean, you've you got to put them together. There's a design there. And, and let me tell you, some of his designs are intricate. I mean, he can explain. I mean, some of the stuff those things do is pretty incredible. Um, so... There's a design, there's a purpose, but you have to connect them together. We as a church have a design. Every, every one of us individually, God designed us. He's given us purpose. We have a purpose for our lives individually, something God wants to accomplish through us. But we'll never reach that purpose completely until we're connected with other believers striving toward the same goal for, as a church. God has put Wall Highway Baptist Church in this community in this time, with all of the challenges of our culture, with all of the trials, in the middle of a pandemic, he's done it for a reason. God is not surprised by any of this, anything that's going on in our world. Our purpose is still the same, and we can take comfort in that. Circumstances, culture, does not change the purpose that God has given us. These are things that we can be about regardless of what's going on. We can be a people that loves God and that wants to see others come to know Christ. We can connect with people in various ways. Even in the midst of social distancing, we can still connect with people and connect them to Jesus and disciple them, minister to them, love them. We can worship together as the body of Christ. We can experience all of those things. We can experience fellowship, all of these things. This is the purpose we are called to be about. So how do we accomplish it? Well, we've got to follow a plan, a fundamental plan. We know our purpose how do we reach that purpose? We've got to have a plan, just like everything else. There's a design. We start renovation tomorrow, and there are blueprints, detailed blueprints about how they're going to get to that end result. Well, we have a blueprint as a church and how we get to the end result, how we accomplish what it is that God has set for us to accomplish. And this is our mission. We, this, is, this is our mission. Our mission is defined this way. We want to be a people and lead people to love God, love people, share Jesus, and make disciples. And those are based on the commandments, right? We know that God has commanded us to love him and, and to not put anything above him, to worship he and he alone, and we are to love other people. We are to, to be about the Great Commission, sharing the gospel with other people. Love God, love people, share Jesus, make disciples. So what's the difference between a vision and a mission? You know, you hear those words thrown around, and it's easy to get those things mixed up. Well, the vision is the end goal, right? It's where you want to be. The mission is how you get there kind of like gps gps gives you instructions it's the map it shows you the steps the turns you need to to take to get to the the, 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 to the destination so if we want to be a church as divine by our mission 
in God's Word, then there are steps we need to take. There are things that we need to do. There, there are things that define our ministries as a church, and that's where the mission comes in. It's the instructions, and these, these things give us direction. It points us in the right direction, and they're based on very important biblical principles, and that's what I want to look at over the next few minutes, our values. Our, our mission is defined by what we value, and what do we value as a church? Maybe you have been here for many years. Maybe you're joining us for the first time, and you're wondering, what's this church all about? Well, here are the things that we value at Wall Highway Baptist Church. For one thing, we, we value biblical authority and truth. We, are going to, we believe that God's Word is inerrant, that it is our instruction book for life. It is God's revelation of himself to man. We're going to teach in agreement with the Bible. We're going to live in accordance with what God's Word says. We're going to define this church based on what God's Word says it should be. We believe in biblical authority and truth, and we believe in adjusting our lives according to that, living by it. We also value relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We know that the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ, and we want others to experience that as well. We want others to discover that truth in their lives. So we value relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We also value relationships with other people. No man is an island. We talked about this last week. We've got to be connected. And we need to build relationships. We need each other. We need encouragement. We need to be discipled. We need to disciple others. And so we value relationships. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, a people person or not, you were still built for relationships. Um, whether you're single, married, whatever, you were built for relationships. And God wants you to connect with other people. You will never be all that God wants you to be unless you are involved in a church family and building relationships, discipling relationships. So we value that. We also value ministry excellence. We believe that if we're going to do something, God deserves our best. And some things we do work, some things don't. That's another thing we've learned during the pandemic. We've tried a lot of different things. Some of them have worked, some of them just fell flat on their face. You know, they just didn't, didn't work. We've been forced to try new things. We're going to continue to try new things. And some of them are going to work great and some of them won't. We'll learn from it and move on, right? But it doesn't change our purpose. All the things that we do, we're doing it to try to accomplish our purpose. But we do believe what we do, God deserves our best. And listen, it's not the only reason, but that's one of the reasons we're redoing these buildings because God deserves our best. And there's things that need attention. And we want to give that, when people walk in here, we want people to know that this is important, that they are welcome, and that uh, we take care of the things that God has given us. It's an issue of stewardship. And so that translates into the activities and ministries that we do. We want to give God our best because he deserves it. Ministry excellence, striving for excellence in everything that we do. And we also believe in transformation of our Jerusalem. God has put this church in this community for a reason. And there are people all around us that are lost and don't know Christ. There are people moving in by the droves and will be even more so in the coming months, in the coming years. And we have an opportunity to reach them and share the gospel with them and see their lives transformed. Will we be ready for that? Will we take advantage of that? Are we reaching the people around us? Are we building relationships with our neighbors around us? Uh, one of the great things about this pandemic is uh, we've gotten to know our neighbors better. You know, before that, you know, everybody's so busy running to and, for, but we, to, to and fro, but we've gotten to connect with some people that we probably wouldn't have been able to connect with. And so we, are we doing that? Are we taking advantage 
of those opportunities because we should value uh, seeing people transformed. And that's what we're put here for, is to share the gospel. So those are our values. Where do we get these? What is it based on? Well, our mission is based first on the great commandment. It's based on, well, you can break our mission down into two categories. The first two and the second two. Love God, love people, share Jesus, make disciples. The first is based on the great commandment. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. That's the greatest commandment. But then he says the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. The Ten Commandments. First four deal with my relationship to God. Last six deal with my relationship to man. Love God, love people. Can't separate the two. If I love God, I will love people because he loves people. And that's what we're called to do. Jesus takes this. He's quoting the Shema in Matthew 22. It's a confession of faith said daily by Orthodox Jews. Uh, the greatest commandment is to love God with all that we are and all that we have. With our heart, my, whole, my soul, my mind, my strength, my talents, my resources, everything. God has all of me. And I'm going to do everything I can and use everything that I have to give glory to him and to express my love for him. Loving God is not about good feelings. You will have good feelings, but there are times, and we've experienced those in this past year, where we don't have a clue what God is up to. And let's be honest, there are times where we question what God is up to, right? We see pain, we see suffering, we see unrest, we see division, and we're sitting there going, God, what are you doing and where are you at? And if we're all honest, we have those moments. I'll be the first to admit, I've had those moments. So it's not always about good feelings. Just like in a marriage, love is not about warm fuzzies all the time right? Love is about commitment. Love is about obedience. Love is about putting the other person above yourself. And so when we talk about loving God, we're not just talking about feeling good all the time and life being, you know, this bed of roses all the time. True love involves the will as well as the heart. Agape love, yes, I've got those emotions for my wife, but agape love means I'm going to be committed to her regardless of how I feel. And she is committed to me no matter how mad I made her that day, which only happens once every couple years, right? But that's what it's about. It's about I'm with you through the long haul, and it doesn't depend on circumstances. It doesn't depend on how I feel. And I'm going to do what a husband should do, even if I don't feel like doing those things. Well, as a child of God, there are going to be days where I feel like serving God, and there are going to be days where I don't. There are going to be days where I understand exactly what he's doing in my life, and I feel like I'm in sync, and there are going to be days where I don't. But loving God means I obey him regardless, even when I don't understand. I step out in faith when he calls, him, calls me to. When we love God, we serve him, and we obey him. We don't question. Any hesitation in obedience is disobedience. We obey him fully or not at all. And love for God cannot be separated from love for man. And this is where Jesus, he takes... Leviticus 19, 18, and he puts it on the same level as the Shema, which was a big deal. And this was important. He's saying, you know the greatest commandment. They would have known this. The greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he's saying, well, listen, the second is just like it. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. Put others above yourself. Because if we love God, we're going to love other people. God is love. And even when he punishes, he does it in love. He is love, and he expresses himself that way. 
If we have a right relationship with God, we, we won't have any problem with loving our fellow man, obeying these two commands, loving God and loving others. If we love God, we will love people. Our mission is also based on the Great Commission. The Great Commandment, love God, love people. What about the Great Commission? Share Jesus and make disciples. That's where we get that from. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Share Jesus, make disciples. A good way to understand verse 19 is not go to a specific place and when you get there, make disciples. No, it's as I'm going, I'm making disciples. As I'm living my life each day, I'm looking for opportunities to build relationships with people, to disciple other people. Discipleship is how I live my life. That's what that means. I'm being discipled and I'm making disciples. It is mentor, multiply, mentor, multiply. Somebody mentored me, somebody shared Christ with me, somebody invested their lives in me, now I'm called to do the same. As I'm going, I'm about making disciples. That's the way we are to understand the Great Commission, and that's what we are called to do. A disciple is someone who attaches himself to a teacher, identifies with him or her, learns from him, and lives with him, shares life with that person. He learns by both listening and then doing. And then he invests in somebody else and becomes the teacher and shares his or her life with somebody else. We are called to share our lives with the people that we reach. It's not just about filling up this building. It's not just about getting a certain number of converts. It is we share the gospel, we get them here, we connect with them, and we stay connected with them. That's where churches miss the mark so many times. They've got a big front door, but they've also got a big back door. People come in, and they go out just as soon as they come in. We've got to make connections with people. We've got to invest our lives in other people to see them discover their purpose, to, to come to know Christ and discover their purpose and serve the Lord. So we share our lives. So our mission is based on the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Now we ask, how do we measure? How do we know when we're being successful at this? It's a good question. How do we know that we love God, love people, share Jesus, make disciples? Well, let's break it down. Let's, let's break this mission statement down, okay? First of all, loving God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. How do we know we're loving God? What, are the, what, are, what is my life, what are the characteristics of my life going to be if I'm doing this? Well, for one, I'm going to worship God. Yes, on Sunday morning, corporately, that's vital. But also, individually, I'm going to live a lifestyle of worship. My life will be a sacrifice of worship, as Romans 12 tells us. You know, living sacrificially, my life is an act of worship. I'm glorifying God in my life and through my life. So is, am I doing that? That's a good, a good judge of whether or not I'm loving God. I also will study God's Word daily because I know that He reveals Himself to me through His Word. And if I love somebody, I want to get to know them. I want to communicate with them, right? So I'm going to have a desire and a hunger for God's Word, and I'm going to study it daily. Again, we're using our CBR journals this year. Last year, maybe you focused on the New Testament. Uh, maybe you did both. Um, if you focused on the New Testament, you realized that you went all the way through the New Testament last year, right? Well, this year, you go through, uh, I believe, the Old Testament in two years. Um, so if you focused on the New Testament last year, focus on the Old Testament this year. But I still encourage you to read both because I don't know about you, but every time I come to God's Word, I find something new that He reveals to me about Himself. But either way, spend time in God's Word every day. 
your love for him will grow. And the more your love for him grows, the more you'll have a desire to know his word. Also, if I'm loving God, my, my prayer life is healthy. We'll talk about it next week, but this is going to be the, one of our emphasis this year, is prayer, strengthening our prayer lives, strengthening our, our prayer lives as a church, growing in this area. So I'll maintain a healthy prayer life, and I'll obey God instantly. I've already said any hesitation in obedience is disobedience. I mean, how many of you, if you tell your kids to do something, and your kid says, I'll do it when I get to it, how many of you feel good about that or respond well to that? Yeah, we do it to God all the time, don't we? God tells us, I want you to do this. Ah, oh, I don't have time right now, God. When I get a moment, when my life calms down a little bit, or you give me some more evidence that this will work and I'll, I'll step out. No, that's disobedience. So if I love God, I'll obey him. As we just talked about, those two things are connected. What about people, loving people? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What does that look like? Well, I show my love for people when I serve. I serve others inside the walls. So I'm actively serving people that I share my life with that are a member of the same church family that I am. When I have the opportunity to meet your need, I do that. We, we do that for each other, right? It's part of the encouragement, building each other up. Uh, we're in this together, and so we serve each other. But then I also go outside the walls. I'm actively serving others outside the walls of the church in some capacity. There are many ways that we do that here, and we'll talk about some of that next week. But I serve outside the walls. That's part of going and making disciples. I'm involved in a connection group. I said last week you can come to this room in this size group every week and never really get to know anybody. You can do that for as long as you want. Just pleasantries. Hey, how you doing? How's your week been? If you really want to build relationships, you need to be a part of a smaller group where you're going to connect with people, where you share prayer burdens, concerns, people that, the people that are ministering to you when you've lost someone that you love or you've suffered a hurt. Those are the people that pick you up when you fall and you pick up when they fall. That's, we need those small groups, so connection groups. That's what we call Sunday school classes here. You need to be a part of a connection group. And right now, even if it's just virtually, I encourage you to be a part of that group. My relationships with family and friends are healthy and growing as well. Now, you know, you know some, some people, you, you can't discount free will, and I know that their uh, kids make bad decisions when they grow up, and, you know, parents are, we live in a fallen world, and some of you have, have broken relationships because of, of nothing you've done yourself. But overall, my relationship with family and the people around me are healthy, and they're growing. That's how I show that I love others. What about sharing Jesus? Well, of course, you share the gospel, right? I mean, that's, you know, faith or EE or Romans Road, whatever you use. And we need to be prepared. And we're going to talk about some different ways we're going to be further equipped to do that this year. But overall, in my life, if I'm going, as I'm going, I'm making disciples. What does that look like? Well, number one, I'm prepared to share the gospel, as I just said. And we're going to make efforts to further equip you to do that. But I'm also building relationships with lost people around me. You know, that, again, one of the great things about the pandemic is we've gotten to know some of our neighbors, and there's some of those that I'm praying for continually and, and attempting to build a relationship with, and, and that's what we should be doing. I, have I always been good at that? No, unfortunately. None of us, we all miss opportunities, right? But we have to have our eyes open and be open to those opportunities to start those relationships and share the gospel when we have the opportunity. Sometimes it's in a moment where we share the gospel and they accept. Sometimes it's building a relationship over a long period of time. It's a long investment. But either way, we need to be busy doing that. I participate in local evangelistic opportunities in our Jerusalem. 
You know, there are different ways that we do that here. We'll talk about some of those next week. But you need to be involved in something in our community where you are corporately we're doing as a church that we can reach people. And I'm participating in missions opportunities outside our Jerusalem. We've, there are several ways we've done that in the past. A new way we're doing that uh, through our students this coming summer. We'll talk more about that next week. But there are opportunities, even if it's praying and giving and not actually going because you're not able, we all need to be involved in some sort of missions outside of our Jerusalem. What about making disciples? What does that look like? Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. Well, it simply means I'm actively growing in my relationship with Christ. I can't be a disciple if I'm not growing in my relationship with Christ. I can't disciple others. But it also means that I'm being held accountable by other Christians. Somebody's pouring into me and holding me accountable. I mean, there's still, I I shared with you last week, I've been a Christian for 37 years, but there's still, I've got a list of guys that I call regularly for advice who check up on me from time to time. Um, that are, have been Christians longer than I have, who are much older than me, wiser than I am, and, and I, don't, I hope that never ends. Maybe I'll be the oldest guy one day, and there won't be anybody any older, but there will still be somebody that I talk to for advice, I guarantee you. And we should always be teachable and be open to that, and then we pour into others. I'm mentoring others and multiplying myself. I'm multiplying other disciple makers. That's God's formula. It's I come to know Christ. I'm discipled. I lead others to Christ. I mentor them, and then they do the same, and it multiplies. That's the idea. That's God's design. That's how he designed to grow his church. And whether you agree with that or not, that's how he designed it, and that's what we are to be about as believers. So how do I help people measure up? How do we help people get to the point to where they love God, love people, share Jesus, make disciples. They have these characteristics in their lives. What does that look like day to day? So we've got the end goal. That's the vision, right? That's where we want to be, how we want to be defined. We've got our mission. It gives us direction. It guides us. But then you break it down even further. And you look at a GPS, you've got the, the map, and it shows you where you're going, how many miles, but then it even breaks it down into steps, step by step by step, right? And that's where our strategy comes in. And that's, that's our priorities. That's how we establish our first priorities is our strategy. It defines day-to-day ministry here at Wall Highway. Everything we do should fit into one of these categories that I'm about to, d- to mention to you. And, and next week is all about what our ministry, the goals that we're going to have for the next year as they fit into these categories. Because, again, the way we make a decision as to what we do and don't do it, it needs to agree with our vision, our mission, and our strategy. These, these general purposes, it needs to fit into one of those categories. It needs to help us in some way accomplish the goal of becoming the church that we feel God is leading us to be. It's our strategy. It's the DNA of the church, day-to-day ministry. It's what defines our day-to-day lives and the things that we do, the things that we don't do. It's the process. It's the next steps for helping others get to a point to where they know Jesus, where they love God, love people, share Jesus, and make disciples. It's how we get people there. It's how we get there ourselves day by day by day, and it includes four 
pathways to fulfilling our mission at Wall Highway. We desire that each member of Wall Highway connect to Christ and to his church, to grow in their relationship with Jesus, to serve inside the walls of the church, to go outside the walls of the church with the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Those are the four things. Connect, grow, serve, go. It's easy to say, easy to remember. And last year, we, uh, we got some really cool visuals, symbols that go along with it, right? Easy to remember. This is what we're about as a church. It's not complicated. We want to connect people to Christ and each other. We want them to grow in their faith. We want them to discover the gifts and abilities that God has given them and to use them to serve him inside the walls of the church and then to go outside the walls on mission for Christ. Everything we do should fall into one of those categories. I mean, everything. That's that's how we decide. That's how we set our priorities. There are a lot of good ideas. A lot of things we could do as a church. Some of them great. But if they don't accomplish our goal, what's the point in doing them? We need to fulfill the purpose that God has given us. And, and how do we know if it accomplishes our goal or not? Well, there you go. It's got to fit into one of those, those categories. We want to be a church that's fulfilling the purpose that God has given us, connecting people to Christ, growing in our relationship with Christ, helping others grow, serving the Lord He's given you gifts and abilities. You may not even know what they are now. But he's given you those gifts to be used for his service, for his glory, and then going on mission. I turned 44 this year. I'm getting older. Some of you are laughing at that, and I get that. But things change when you turn 40. I've heard that my whole life, and it's true. You know, things change. Your perspective changes. You know, your, your midlife, your, your body starts to change too, unfortunately. Um, I was going to originally go on the ski trip uh, this, this weekend with our students. Probably a good thing I didn't. It's been about 20 years since I skied. I'd probably hurt myself. Um, but it would have been fun. But, you know, I, things like that I find I can't do like I used to. I have one thing that I've never had to deal with in my life. I've never had to wear glasses. I've always had perfect vision. Never. It's one of the things God blessed me with. Everybody in my family has glasses except me. And I've always been thankful for that. But about a year or so ago, that started to change. I go to read a book, and, and I have to read it from out here. So I went to the dollar store, and I got me some reading glasses. So I, I got reading glasses now. Now, here's the problem with reading glasses. You, you can see things close up, but then when you look up, I mean, everything's blurry, right? And you got to get used to that. And it was really hard for me. I've never worn glasses before. I've never had to get used to wearing glasses. And that change, that difference in perception, it, 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 made me, it makes me dizzy. It made me a little nauseous. So what I did is I just took the lenses out. <laughs> now, are these going to do me any good at all? How many of you knew they were out when I put them on? Just curious. Nobody? <laughs> Somebody in the back, yeah. Of course, I don't wear reading glasses without lenses, but it was hard to get used to them. But if I don't have the lenses in, I'm still going to be reading from this far away, you know, or having Mandy hold it across the room or something, you know. It's just where well, you got to have the lenses to be able to see clearly. Well, the same is true for us in our lives. If we try to look at the world through our own lenses, determine our purpose through what we think, should happen. If we try to predict the future on our own, our vision is going to be blurred. We're going to be living in the blur. We've got to look at the world through God's lenses. We've got to see the world the way he sees it and define our lives the way he says define our lives. To live our lives according to the vision that he's given us. If we want to have a godly vision, 
for our lives, for this church. We've got to have the right glasses, and we've got to have the right lenses. Otherwise, it's just going to be blurry. That's what I want for this church, and, and that's what I want for us to be about, is what God, how God defines it, what he wants us to do. And if we will commit to that, will everything we do be a raving success? No, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall on our face from time to time. But in the end, over the long haul, we will be faithful to what God has called us to do. And we will fulfill the purpose. God isn't some conniving being that likes to watch us fumble through lives and get lost in the maze. When we get lost, it's because we've made poor decisions and gone astray. God wants us to accomplish his purpose. He doesn't want us to be failures. He wants us to accomplish his purpose. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? But we have to commit to that. And that commitment begins with each of us committing ourselves individually to Christ. And so that's where we start or end today and start next week. Evaluate your own life, and I'll do the same. Where is your commitment? When we go through those measures, those characteristics of a life that's defined by loving God, other people, sharing Jesus, and making disciples— Where do you fall short? Where do I fall short? Let's just start there today. Evaluate what God wants us to do and where we need to improve. And then we'll talk more about how to do that next week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you've given us purpose, that you've given us vision and direction. We believe it's biblical. We believe that it is how you designed your church. We also believe that It applies differently in different situations in terms of the methods and what we use to reach people and to fulfill that purpose, but we believe the purpose is universal. And that's what we want to be defined as. Personally, in our lives, the characteristics of discipleship and worship and evangelism, ministry, missions, reaching out, discipling, not just reaching people to say we've gained another convert, but investing in people's lives, just like others have invested in ours. I pray that we would be defined by that and that we would do what's necessary now in the present to take steps to accomplish that purpose, to continue the process of fulfilling the vision that you've given us. Our world changes daily, but you never change, and your purpose is the same. I pray that the desire of our hearts, individually and corporately, would be to glorify you by making an impact for your kingdom for eternity. We're here for a reason. And as long as we're here, as long as there's breath in our bodies, in our lungs, we should serve you faithfully. Lord, we can't do that if we don't know you. And I pray that if there's somebody here today or at home watching who has not accepted the gift of salvation that we've seen beautifully illustrated through baptism today, I pray that they would just cry out to you right now, wherever they are, believing that you died for their sins, Jesus, that you gave your life to pay the price for their sins. We've all sinned and fallen short of your glory. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift that you offer through your son, Jesus, is eternal life. I pray that they would invite you into their lives. They don't have to have all the answers right now. They just need to know that they are lost in need of salvation. Cry out to you for that salvation and receive it. Father, for the rest of us, I pray that we would take home this list, these measures, these characteristics, and just pray over them daily. 
Allow you, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts and show us where we fall short. Lord, I pray that we would commit ourselves completely to you, holding nothing back, 100%, everything that we are, everything that we have, that we truly would love you with all that we are and all that we have. That we would commit ourselves, our lives, our families, our church to you. You would be in the center. You would be first. Nothing takes your place. I pray that that would be our desire. And whatever we need to do, whatever we need to remove to make that happen, distractions, obstacles, Lord, may we fulfill your purpose because that's the only way we find joy and meaning and purpose in life. We thank you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.